Good afternoon, Eric Von Hessler filling in for Eric Erickson. I do a show here on Sundays at noon. We call it the Von Hessler Doctrine. On that show, I'm surrounded by my doctrinaires. Only one of them here, but you know who he is. The handsomest producer in all of producery. Jared Yamamoto is here with us. How are you, Eric Von Hessler? I am doing fantastic. And look, I, you know me, I've just been walking around with my head in the cloud for the last couple of days. <laughs> so I depend on you to feed me the headlines that will become the grist of the mill that we call this show. Yeah, so the big story of the day, Donald Trump has fired his campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski. This is the same guy who had that thing with the girl in Florida, was it? Yeah, the uh, Breitbart reporter. Exactly. So uh, Former Breitbart stuck by, he stuck by him through that. And, uh, you know, the Trump campaign has been floundering for, floundering for a couple of weeks now. So it makes sense that they make changes. The question is, will it help? Trump is, I know Trump is, especially in this time of day, a very controversial figure. But Trump is in a position that he shouldn't be in right now. And I think the rank-and-file Republicans who backed him should be a little worried, a little upset. And let me just lay this one on you. The reason Trump can't unify the Republican Party, which is why this is happening. This is happening. Corey Lewandowski is having trouble dealing with the establishment Republicans. They're now all trying to get together to raise money because Hillary Clinton has some $60 million that she's already spending. She's already has ads, anti-Trump ads up in swing states that matter. And there's no answer from the Trump campaign because the differential right now is something like she has $60 million and he has less than five. So there's a real problem there. And Lewandowski wasn't getting the job done, I guess, in the go-between trying to raise money. But the floundering over the last couple of weeks, I think, is because he's trying to unify the Republican Party. The reason Donald Trump is having trouble unifying the Republican Party is because Donald Trump is trying to unify the Republican Party. That wasn't the promise of his campaign. The promise of his campaign was that he was going to self-fund and run as a, as a maverick. And now he's in a position where he's trying to raise money from the very same Republican establishment that he's been trashing for over a year, and it's a big mess. And I think, uh, whether or not you like Trump or you don't like Trump, this is just objective. I'm just looking at the campaign right now. I feel like Trump supporters, and believe me, when you do this for a living, you hear from Trump supporters. All the time. They are vocal, and they've got something to say. But let me respectfully get in there and say, I think you need to be aiming some of that at your own guy right now. And if I was part of the rank and file Republicans that put him where he is, I would be demanding, and I think Trump supporters should demand, that he be willing to spend a billion dollars, if necessary, to win. That was the promise of the campaign. You, you, you get us through the whole primary, and the whole thing is, I'm self-funding, folks, so no one has their hooks in me. And now we get to a point, have you noticed the moment he became the presumptive nominee, there were a couple of weeks there where unity started to happen, and then things began to fall apart. Why? Because then suddenly he had to go to the same establishment Republican donors, the, the donor class that he's been trashing for so long, and what a surprise that it's not working. And this guy, Corey Lewandowski, may or may not have been the problem. It may be that the problem is right there in the fact that Trump needs to understand something from his rank and file. I believe that what they want is a non-socialist Bernie Sanders-style campaign. Totally independent. Republican, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm on the Republican Party. Let's face it. 
uh, this is kind of a, a, a little bit of a, uh, not a hijacking of the Republican Party, but certainly the rank and file revolted, right? And this is their candidate, Donald Trump. And now suddenly, if I was one of these people, if I was in the rank and file, I'd be a little worried because the guy who was willing to write the checks and do it his way suddenly is thinking, mm, I don't know if I want to spend a billion dollars. And now he's trying to become the politician that he went after everyone else for. So if I was a big-time Trump supporter, I'd be trying to get the message off to him. A Bernie, style, a Bernie Sanders-style campaign whereby everybody gives what they can, 30 to $50, and then Donald Trump writes a check to make up the rest, and it all equals a billion dollars, and then you've got a chance. But I don't know that it's Corey Lewandowski's uh, fault here. Well, you know, fault, it's Atlanta, the roadways, we can find fault, but we have Smile and Mark McKay, who's going to get us through it. We'll do our best. Good afternoon, Eric at 514. We're seeing our typical new lanes on 285 as you leave Ashford Dunwoody Road. It's the inner loop through DeKalb County, past Spaghetti Junction down Highway 78 way. If you're on the outer loop, you're used to slowing on 285, leaving Georgia 400. That's the case this afternoon. Westbound 285 filling in now. Roswell Road through I-75. Tough delays out of Smyrna Vinings, 285 South toward I-20. Eric? So this is what we're trying to do here. It's a little bit of an experiment. We're trying to talk about Trump without being pro or con or anything like that, just objectively looking at the campaign. And what I'm looking at on this is if there's, if there's a mistake that's happening here is that Trump is believing that he can win the general election exactly the same way as he won the primary. Here's the problem with that, though, if you, if you look at it. So I had Jared Yamamoto... Uh, run the numbers here for me and find the numbers. So in order to win the primary, let's go to the whole primaries, everybody, everybody who voted in the primaries, Republican, Democrat, whatever, independent, wrote something in, everybody, 59.4 million people voted in the 2016 primaries. It's a lot less than I would think. Yeah, well, it gets even less than that when you think about the Republican primaries. So in the Republican primaries, about 31 million people voted. Of those, Trump got about 13.3 million of the Republican votes and won the Republican primary. Now here, I had to go get some other numbers for me. I said, Jared, how many people voted in the 2012 general election? Mitt Romney versus Barack Obama. 129.3 million. Wow. We're talking about two completely different contests here. What it takes to win in a pool of 30 million may not necessarily be what it takes to win in a pool of 130 million voters, unless it's a crazy year. If Donald Trump goes down in flames, if Donald Trump loses and loses badly, in the future, when they look back, the lesson that people in the future will take from this campaign is they'll say, you can't try to win a general election the way that you want a primary even if you cleaned up in the primary. This is the thing that the Trump supporters and Donald Trump have to look out for now because Trump's all over the map, you know. Someday, on Mondays, he's all for being a Republican. He's going to work with Republicans. Then he wakes up on the other side of the bed the next day. I'll do it alone. I don't need you. Just get out of my way. Well, here's the thing, Donald Trump. If you're going to do it alone, you're going to have to open up your checkbook and truly do it alone. You can't do it alone and then go bow to the Republican donor class. And that is the inherent problem with the Trump campaign right now. 
politics aside, whether you like the guy or not, if you want him to win, my objective opinion is right now he's losing. I'll let you know more about that and other things when we return. Welcome back. I'm Eric Von Hessler, sitting in for Eric Erickson. My producer, Jared Yamamoto, is with me, and the great experiment continues. And what is our great experiment is we're going to see if it's actually possible to speak objectively about the Trump campaign, to take a look at the Trump campaign, see where it is, uh, how it's doing, outside of whether you love him, whether you hate him, you're a believer, you're a never-Trumper, whatever you are. Let's just take a look at what exactly is going on here, and how is he doing so far as the presumptive nominee for the Republican Party. So he just, uh, who did he fire? Corey Lewandowski, right. campaign manager. My understanding is a lot of that came from behind the scenes, that the family was very involved. Uh, Ivanka and her husband seem to have a large place behind the scenes. Uh, that kind of worries me a little bit. Not to get a little bit, I mean, yeah, sometimes that happens with dictators. It's always the family, everybody, you know. She you, just has that powerful look to her, though. I think that she's very smart, and she can give him advice, but at the end of the day, he's still her dad. You might want more objective outside forces in. That's what Corey Lewandowski was. But Lewandowski was not getting along with the Republican establishment. The Trump campaign is in a weird situation now. They trashed the establishment for a year to get to where they are. And then Trump decided, I don't want to keep on self-funding all the way through the general election because that looks like a billion dollars. So now he has his operatives and himself out there trying to broker deals with the donor class, the establishment Republican donor class that he has been trashing, and I don't know that that's an easy job for anyone. So Corey Lewandowski may be, uh, you know, just sort of being thrown over into the water here because somebody has to go. Sometimes you just have to make changes, but sometimes you have to make sacrifices in order to right. to appeal to in way. order to appeal to the party because right now they're trying to find some kind of unity between. The, 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 the Trumpers and then the establishment GOP. So and what do you do? this is my point, Jared. My point is, completely objectively, just giving advice to the Trump campaign, you're not the kind of campaign that's ever going to woo the establishment class. You ran against them. It's up to you to open your wallet... And go to your people and say, I need 50 bucks a piece from you, and I'll foot the rest of the bill, and we'll raise a billion dollars. Look, uh, Trump is still winning the Twitter war. He's still winning the Facebook war. But she's got about $60 million, and he's got less than five right now. And here's what's going on that you don't see every day if you're not in these states. The state of Virginia, a very important state, she spent $1.6 million Right now, spending it right now, ads on the air right now. Ohio, unbelievable. Uh, the it is impossible. It's believed for Republicans to win the White House these days. They've never won without, an election without winning Ohio. You have to win Ohio, and you want to win Ohio and Florida. And if you throw Virginia in, you're getting a long way. Or Colorado, something along those lines. One point three million dollars she's spending in Ohio. He's not on the air. Iowa, a million dollars. Colorado, almost a million dollars. New Hampshire, 750,000. A little bit lower in Florida, 500 some odd thousand. North Carolina, Nevada. She's on the air right now in all of these states. 
two ads that are pro-Hillary, one ad that is anti-Trump. Now, if you want to win a general election, you have to have a general election strategy. And it has never been proven before that a primary strategy, no matter how successful, is the same strategy that you take into the general election and find success with it. Yet, it seems to me that in this case, the real chance that Donald Trump has is to go into overdrive on that. He has to run as a complete maverick. And he might as well do it anyway, because I think anybody listening to me right now knows that he's not going to stay on script. If he bows down to these Republican donors and gets them on board to a certain degree, it's only going to last for seven or eight days, and then something else is going to happen. If Donald Trump wants to be president, and as you know, I'm a libertarian. I'm parking my vote with Gary Johnson. This is free advice. If Donald Trump wants to be president, he needs to run the non socialist Bernie Sanders national campaign and go right to the people. That's free advice from Eric Von Hessler sitting in for Eric Erickson and we'll have more when we get back. Welcome back. Eric Von Hessler sitting in for Eric Erickson Joined by my producer, Jared Yamamoto. To wrap up the Trump stuff, Corey Lewandowski, the campaign manager, was fired by Trump today. And I've just been saying, as objectively as I can, to Trump supporters, I think you have something to worry about. You got a guy here who for a year said, I'm self-funding. And no one, you know... No lobbyist is going to have their hooks in me, and we're doing this. It's me and you, the people, the people in Trump. We're going to go there, and we're going to change things. And after he became the presumptive nominee, he suddenly looked at his wallet and said, hmm, I don't know if I want to continue self-funding this. They're talking about how she's going to raise a billion dollars. And so now suddenly a lot of energy has been expelled trying to woo the Republican donor class. I think it's a mistake, and I think if you're a fan of Trump, you need to start letting him know this wasn't what we signed up for, right? What we signed up for is a maverick, a guy who can do it himself. He's rich enough to do it himself. That was the appeal. Don't forget, just as much as the wall or anything else, the appeal was he is not going to take people's money. No one is going to have... Guess what? You take millions of dollars from somebody, they want something from you. Trump was right about that six months ago. That didn't suddenly change because he became the presumptive nominee. Do you think he expected the campaign to make it this far, though? Because when you're just starting off and there's seven or 16 other candidates, I mean, you can say that kind of stuff. But now that I, I mean, he's, yes. it, now it's now that it's really hitting him. Oh, my gosh, I am the presumptive Republican nominee. Now I have to really play seriously, and I and it's not cheap to be the presumptive Republican nominee. I don't think anyone, whether you like the guy or you don't like the guy, can d- doubt his ego or his belief in himself. I think that he thought that he would become president of the United States before he came down that uh, uh, the, those uh, steps <laughs> and uh, the what am I, uh, the escalator. And announced. I think that he believes that he is going to be the next president of the United States and has believed that. I just think somewhere along the way he went, ooh, this is going to cost me a lot more money than maybe I had thought about. And I don't think it's possible to run the kind of campaign that he has said he's going to run 
if he has to bow to the donor class. It goes against everything that he's been talking about up to now. Uh, I've been very honest with people. I'm not voting for Donald Trump, and I'm not voting for Hillary Clinton. I'm a pretty honest voice in this. I'm parking my, I'm parking my vote with Gary Johnson, the libertarian, okay? And don't give me this nonsense about how that helps Hillary. Let me tell you something. If Georgia goes for Hillary, <laughs> this was a problem that's much bigger than one vote. So I live in a red state. It's going to, the electoral college is for Georgia, almost surely going to go to the Republican nominee, no matter who he is. I'm just telling you, if you are a Trump fan, as an objective person from the outside, your candidate is in a lot of trouble right now and is floundering and has been floundering for a couple of weeks. And I think the diagnosis is because he's trying to become something he's not. He is not an establishment Republican. And you know what? If you're not a Republican establishment person, you have zero right to go ask for millions of dollars from establishment Republicans. You've said, I'm going to do it without you. This isn't about you. Okay, great. The rank and file gave us Donald Trump. Now the rank and file need to hold his feet to the fire with what? You know, I know that some people who follow Trump who dream about him all night long could never think of possibly being upset about anything. But I'm telling you objectively, this thing can come around. It's a long time till November. A week is a lifetime in politics. And quite frankly, the more terror and stuff that happens between now and then helps Trump, not because he's Trump, but because he's not the person in power. And that's always going to help the person who's out of power when things like that happen. But you can't guarantee that's going to happen in the next few months. Unfortunately, it does seem to happen quite often. But that's not enough. He needs an actual strategy. You said, you, uh, Jared, you went to the... Uh the rally that was here. Yeah, I did. I went to, I think it was last Wednesday at the Fox yeah. Theater. And uh, I, again, I, I, I'm I'm not sure where I'm going to park my vote at. And I went there and I, I was surprised with what I saw. I, I'm, well, I'm during, not, that, during that uh, appearance is when he said, uh, hey, Republicans, I'll do it without you. At the same time that he has people trying to get millions of dollars from donors. Look, he also, the, guy, the guy who said, I can do it without you. We've all looked for a year. That's the guy. That's the guy. So he might as well run as who he is. But if I'm rank and file Republican and I was behind this guy and help him put there, I'm a little worried that he looked at his wallet and suddenly said, I don't know. I don't know. More on this and other things. But first, smiling Mark McKay and your traffic. It's been challenging out here this afternoon, Eric, at 544 on the south side. We've had all lanes blocked with a crash on 75 northbound in Henry County, just north of Highway 155. We will uh, continue to watch those building delays as you try to get out of McDonough pointed northbound. We've had all kinds of trouble on 75 on the south side, especially headed northbound this afternoon. Downtown Atlanta, all lanes were temporarily held on the connectors southbound at Martin Luther King Jr. Drive, just north of I-20, moving a breakdown to the right, but that's what extra pressure on the southbound ride through Midtown Atlanta back at 17th Street. Eric? All right, enough free advice to the Trump campaign. There are more things going on in this world. Jared Yamamoto, fill me in on what's going on with the DOJ and the release of these 911 calls during the Orlando massacre. Yeah, so they're facing a lot of backlash. The Department of Justice has actually just released all of the Orlando gunman's uh, phone transcripts, and that's Omar Mateen. Yeah. And uh, that's that's huge because uh, I mean well they, they released some that were redacted earlier, right? So they, they took uh, out some of the I- ISIS mentions and whatnot. Which uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go over this what was actually said here, but let's so earlier today 
they release transcripts of the calls. This is from the DOJ. And within those transcripts, they redacted, say, references to Allah or ISIS and that sort of thing. So then I would imagine Republicans got a little upset about this. And so they've re-released it, but they've still changed some stuff here. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing he wasn't saying the word God, and that's what I'm seeing. I'm guessing he was using the word Allah. Right. I would well, imagine. I would assume so. So they're still being dishonest about it then. Yeah. And also, there's still in the, uh, in parenthetics, it just says Arabic. Uh, there's nobody at the DOJ that speaks uh, we, in, our, in our country. We don't have people in, in, our, in the government that can translate Arabic. So they're still being deceptive. And you have to ask yourself exactly, well, why is that? Why are they being deceptive? We'll get into that and much more when we return. Welcome back. I'm Eric Von Hessler, sitting in for Eric Erickson. My producer, Jared Yamamoto, is with me. And we've just gotten, we're going over these new transcripts, the new 911 transcripts, the 911 calls that the Orlando shooter made during the massacre. Earlier today, the DOJ released transcripts, but they redacted anything having to do with a reference to the Islamic State, the Jihad, Allah. A lot of specific names, too. Yeah. And so I, I think people got angry, especially Republicans. So later in the afternoon, we got new stuff, but I still see that there's stuff like God. Why don't you do a, do us a favor here? Give us one sentence from what came out earlier today okay. in these 911 calls, and then what it says now. All right. So one time, Omar Mateen said, my name is, I pledge, I pledge of allegiance to, and then it says omitted on the original report, mm-hmm. and now it says, I pledge allegiance to Abu Abakar al-Baghdadi. May God protect him on behalf of the Islamic State. Right. So they admitted that entire second part out. But what I've noticed is... Not even this time around, it seems to me, I would be surprised if we hear the, actually hear the calls at some point, I would be surprised if he's using the word God. If he's, oh, if I, he's know, yeah. I would imagine that they're changing the word Allah to the word God, and it says, in the name of God, the merciful, he's in the name of Allah, the merciful, the beneficent, then parenthetically Arabic, like I said before we went to commercial, the idea that we have no one in uh, the Department of Justice that can speak Arabic and translate it is absurd. That happens a couple of times. And you are asking me, why, why would they do this? And the answer is... You have to understand that this country is being run by an academic class. This is what happens when professors run your country, okay? The Obama administration is elitist. The Department of Justice is elitist. They do not trust the rabble, you and me, with the facts because they don't consider that we're as smart as they are. And let me tell you something that's the truth. In the eyes of these academics, the family in Iowa, if you give them all the facts of the real world, they're every bit as dangerous as ISIS. This is in the eyes of uh, the people who run sociology departments. And these are the people, you know, you can think what you want of Obama, but in reality, he's not that original. He doesn't say anything you don't hear on college campuses or haven't heard for the last 20 years. These people are elitists. All right, we're going to cover more of this. Plus, colleges are dropping mathematics. Men are breastfeeding children. We'll cover it all when we return. Welcome back. I'm Eric Von Hessler, sitting in for Eric Erickson. 
My producer, Jared Yamamoto, is with me. What's up, Eric? Well, you know what's up. You've been with me for an hour. I know, man. It Don't feels be good. foolish. That was Radio Pap, my friend, and I'll have no more of it. <laughs> Speak to me as a person. No, Jared's a great guy, and he's here. And before we went, we uh, were talking about, you were asking me why. Why would the DOJ release a redacted version of the 911 calls that the shooter made during the uh, terror attack in Orlando? Yeah, the one that stuck out to me was the uh, the prophet of God here, which we all know. I mean, if you took any what? kind of religious course, I mean, that you know that's Muhammad. Well, well that's, in the, that's not even in the redacted stuff. Right. So we got to back up here a little bit. Earlier in the day, they released uh, a transcript of the 911 call that was redacted. So it was just omitted any reference to Allah or ISIS, that sort of thing. Then later in the afternoon, after pressure, we get a new version, but they've still cleaned things up. The word God is in here an awful lot. My guess is that was Allah. And you were asking me, you know, why would they do that? And before we went to the break, I was talking about the fact that we have a professor class, an academic class. I'm not anti-intellectual. Far from it. But objectively speaking, the people who are running this country, the administration, they're not hard to figure out. And it's got nothing to do with race. It's got nothing to do with being the first black president. It's got nothing to do with any of that. If you have paid attention to what's been going on on college campuses for the last 20 years, that's what you have. When you have a professor president, then you're going to have an administration that sees the world the way that the academic campus world views things. And that's what you have. Why do they take this stuff out because they are elitist because to the academic mind the elitist academic mind as i said before the family in iowa if given the true facts about the world is just as dangerous as isis meaning they believe that if they give them the true facts, these people will just go crazy and start having uh, hate crimes against muslims by the way does hasn't happened yeah 2001 September 11th, you know, it's 2016. In any big way, it has not happened. We've been through wars. We're war-weary. This has been going on for a long time. You go look into it, and still two-thirds of all hate crimes investigated by the FBI in this country based on religion are against Jews. This is in 2016, after all those years since 2001. So this is a straw man. It's not real. But when your brain is driven through the, the campus sort of prism, reality doesn't matter. You know that you're smarter than the average folk, and that makes the average folk dangerous. So therefore, you ask me, why does this come out? So you look at this. He says, uh, emergency 911, this is being recorded. Uh, Mateen, in the name of God, the merciful, the beneficent. That's not what he said. I'm not exactly sure what he said, but it was Allah, Allah Akbar, something along those lines. Uh, and then he says, praise be to God and prayers as well as peace be upon the prophet of God. That's not what he said. He said Muhammad. He said prophet Muhammad. He didn't say the prophet of God because he wouldn't even have said prophet of Allah. He would have said the prophet Muhammad. Right. Uh, he would have praise be to God. He was a praise to be Allah. So even when they succumb to pressure, and give us something that's closer to the truth, the academics that run this country, the professor class that runs this country, still doesn't trust you or me or any of the rabble out there with the real facts. Because, oh boy, there'll be all these this backlash against Muslims. Hasn't happened. 
hasn't happened. Most Americans recognize that most American Muslims aren't involved in this. We're not dumb. We don't need to be lectured to all the time. Obama with his straw men, every argument. You'd think that since 2001, there's been a rash of backlash against Muslims. There hasn't. Because the people are much smarter than the academics who run this country believe we are. I've got more to say on this, and I have a challenge to my gay friends. But first, before that challenge, Atlanta traffic is a challenge. How about that segue, Jared Yamamoto? Very nice. Smile and Mark McKay will help us out. Yeah, Mr. Von Hessler knows those segues, doesn't he? <laughs> Good afternoon. Good evening, 614. Yeah, a lot, a lot of town travelers making their way through here on the uh, first day and first evening of summer, and they're stuck here on the south side. I-75 northbound Henry County. We had all lanes blocked, crash still blocking the left lane of 75 northbound at Highway 155. Get by that, and then there's a breakdown of the right lane of 75. 75 northbound, north of 2081. I think you guys would look good at this. This is the vintage 1970-75 camper that's now back behind a big rig record in the right lane, guys. That may be me in a time machine from 1975. <laughs> Stuck in traffic as I was then. The 70s, Jared. You really missed it. You really missed it. So as we go through, so uh, I've given you my explanation of why we get the redacted 911s from the professor class that runs this country. Now I'd like to go into a little bit of another direction. So uh, I've been a, very let down by, not that it matters, that makes me an elitist in a, in a way, oh America, you've let me down, who cares? But my actual response to what I've seen in this country since the Orlando shooting, you have, I believe, on the left and the right, the hard left and the hard right, Everybody knew what they thought about the Orlando shooting the night before the Orlando shooting. We are so deep in our silos. We are so playing for our own teams that we not only, you can't even say that we would reject new data. We just won't even look up. It's not possible from the, if you get to uh, uh, the left and it, it has, the gay leaders in this country, it seems to me the most important thing to them is that this not be called terrorism or be seen as terrorism? Why? Because we can't let the Republicans benefit from this tragedy that struck a gay nightclub. You see, all everything that was in place before the Orlando shootings, that's how, those are the teams that we're on. And so it becomes more important that Republicans not get a bump from this than we actually get to the bottom of this. There are a lot of things going on with this Omar Mateen, and all of it is, is, is part of this. Guns are part of this. The fact that he appears to have been a closeted homosexual is part of this. But the reason that that was warring in his mind was the fact that he was becoming a radicalized Muslim, right? That's part of it, too. So here's my challenge. Do I have enough time for my challenge? My challenge here, before we go to break, to my gay friends. All right, so he started and said, praise be to God, so he called and pledged his allegiance to ISIS in the middle of the massacre. And since then, the gay side of this argument, the gay leaders have played that down. This is about guns. This is about the New York Times blamed Christians and Republicans. Here's my challenge to my gay friends. Let's say, let's do a thought experiment here. And let's say that in the middle of the Orlando attack, Omar Mateen, or his name was John Stevens, let's say, he called 911 and says, let's say that he called 911 and pledged his allegiance to the Republican Party as an American Christian. If it had gone down that way, 
What I'm asking my gay friends is, would you so easily have separated his message from his deed? Think about that. Try to be honest with yourself, and we'll talk more about it when we return. Welcome back. I'm Eric Von Hessler, sitting in for Eric Erickson, joined by Jared Yamamoto, my producer, also Herman Cain's producer. That's you right. You certainly do get around. So we have had our, uh, not the gay challenge, I don't want to say that, the challenge for my gay friends has been out there now for about four minutes. And the challenge was, if the shooter in Orlando had called 911 during the attack and pledged his allegiance to the Republican Party as an American Christian, would you so easily separate his ideology, his message, from his deed? Now I'm going to answer this question for you, because I'm going to assume that all good listeners are honest and that you're not lying to yourselves. The answer is, no, you wouldn't, because it already will have fit into the narrative that you have. And you're not alone, because people on the hard right have their narrative. And this has been my problem with the way the country has reacted to Orlando for the most part. I do wonder sometimes if the American people even deserve the American experiment any longer, what the founders gave us, because we have gotten to a point now, social media may have a lot to do with this. I really feel like in the past, in, in uh, these sort of things, you, the, the activist and the government people and everybody involved with an interest in shaping events would try to win the quarter, and then it became try to win the week, and now it's try to win the 24-hour news cycle. So with social media, with everything, when an event like Orlando happens, everybody already knows the team they're on. And so the first thing they start doing is saying, it's not this, it's not that, it's not the other thing. It's my thing. It turns out this is all about the thing that I've been invested in for the last five or ten years of my life. Lucky, what a coincidence. Whether you're on the right and it's all about the Second Amendment, or whether you're on the left, and it's all about gun control, isn't it an interesting coincidence that this whole thing ended up being about exactly what you've been invested in for the last five or ten years? And it makes me wonder if we have the ability to speak to one another anymore. Let me just tell you something that is a fact, whether you like it or not, and I've said this before. To the enemy... To jihad, call it rad, whatever you want. I call it jihad in any form. There is no difference from their point of view between the person who is advocating to be able to use the bathroom of their choice because of the gender that they identify with and Dick Cheney. There is no difference in the eyes of the enemy, the jihad, between Barack Obama and George W. Bush. And we can't believe that from either side. We can't, the hard left cannot believe for a moment that they have anything in common with the hard right and vice versa. The hard right can't believe for a moment that they're anything like the hard left. But in the eyes of the jihad, there's not a dime's bit of difference between them. And that's just the truth. Here's the truth. We're all in the same boat. Whether we like it or not. And if that boat sinks, we all drown. More to come when we get back.
Welcome back. I'm Eric Von Hessler, sitting in for Eric Erickson. My producer, Jared Yamamoto, is with me. Before we left, I was speaking about how the hard left and the hard right cannot believe for a moment that they have anything in common. Yet at the same time, in the eyes of the jihad, there is no difference. There's not a dime's bit of difference between all infidels, all Westerners, all Americans, and that makes us all the same. Here's the thing. The response to Orlando, to me, has just been ridiculous, where we've gotten to the point now in this country where, look, I believe in philosophic principles. I'm a libertarian. I stick to my principles, and I'm not just going to change them because of one event or this or that sort of blow with the wind, and I'm not saying anybody should, but here's the problem. The problem is that we've gotten to the point where we won't even listen to the concerns of others. The concerns. We're so deeply entrenched in our own silos that we will no longer even have a conversation. Because if I tell you that if somebody says, you know, I'm worried about uh, all the ammunition and the types of weaponry that a, a person can get, all the other side is going to hear is, you're trying, to, you're trying to infringe, you're trying to infringe, I'm not going to give you an inch, you're trying to infringe. And if you're on the left and you're, you're hit with the idea that, well, this guy pledged his allegiance to ISIS and he did this in the name of the jihad, from the point of view of the gay leaders and the left, that could help Republicans. That could help Republicans. We can't let that happen. Everybody so deeply entrenched. But let me tell you something that I know about this country. Let me tell you what's going to happen eventually. America will wipe out ISIS in a strong way, not like we're doing now. America will wipe out the jihad in a strong way. This is why I know about America, especially if you look at World War, between World War I and World War II, and the way America responds when it's war-weary. We are not going to do it until we feel, as a collective group of people, that we have to do it. And we're not there yet. Unfortunately, Orlando opened up a lot of things that we were already arguing about. So we just entrenched back. Here's the thing about the enemy. They're not going to stop. They're not going to run out of energy. They're not suddenly going to wake up and say, job well done, and go home. They're going to keep on hitting us. They're going to keep on hitting us. And it's going to get more and more horrific to us. Even though now we've gotten to the point to where we're pretty used to this, we've got hard shells, they're not done. I'm not even going to speak of the things in my mind that I know they must be thinking. But one thing I will lay on you is they have not messed with our children yet. Do you think for a moment they don't want to? Do you think for a moment they won't do something like what happened in Orlando to our children? You know, on one hand, I feel like I don't want to bring it up, but like they're listening. Or so. What I'm saying is they are not going to stop getting more and more horrific. And at some point, they're going to do something so awful that we are all going to come together we're going to drop our silo crap, and we're going to go wipe them out. Because that's what we do. As Americans, when we decide to do something, we do it. We just haven't been able. We are so separated socially. The social conservatives and the social progressives are at odds so much. 
cannot talk to one another, cannot understand the concerns. Somebody on the right can't understand the concern of so much power, weaponry, in the hands of one person. And someone on the left has no ability to understand the concerns about abortion, right? We don't even, you don't have to change your mind. But we've gotten to a point where I will not even look at someone else's concerns. These people, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, nine or ten other groups that are active out there, and now they're in competition with each other. You know that. Al-Qaeda doesn't like the fact that ISIS is the hip young thing on the street. So what we're going to get- Boko Haram is in there too. What we're going to get into is now they're going to try to one-up each other. All right? And- Eventually, they're going to do something so heinous that we're all going to drop our nonsense and go take care of the job. Unfortunately, I would like to go ahead and do it now before those things happen, but I understand the country well enough to know it's got to be so horrific that we don't care about that other thing. This just needs to happen. And what I'm telling you is that will happen. They are not going to stop. I don't even understand what the New York Times editorial point of view is on this. I don't understand what Obama's point of view is on this. Do they think it's a trend? Do they think it's a phase? And at some point it will just sort of work itself out? That's not going to happen. We have to be right 100% of the time. They only have to be right once. And they will be right once enough until it hurts us so badly that we will all wake up the next day and decide to get rid of this menace, which is something we should have decided about two years ago, I think. But we're war-weary, and that's understandable. Afghanistan has been by far, by double, the longest war this country has ever been in. Revolutionary War, Civil War, World War I, World War II. We're war-weary, and that's, that's understandable. But these people will not stop on their own. And they are going to do something so heinous that we will go wipe them out. That will happen. I just don't want to even think about the event that is going to make us all drop our own personal nonsense and go get the job done. Speaking of nonsense, the roadways in Atlanta. How about that for a segue, smiling Mark McKay? Batting a thousand. It's six forty-five, and it's been challenging out of downtown Atlanta, heading west on I twenty. A couple of right lanes are blocked with a crash. I twenty westbound Lowry Boulevard. Of course, that's making it extra heavy, extra late through the heart of Midtown and downtown Atlanta. Your delays begin uh, north of Seventeenth Street. Two eighty-five still seeing delays on the inner loop. Two eighty-five eastbound, leaving Ashford Dunwoody Road through I eighty-five down past Highway seventy-eight westbound. You're doing okay out of Sandy Springs. Just a touch of the brakes before and after I seventy-five on. The Outer Loop in Cobb County. Eric? All right, Jared. I'm, uh, I feel as if I have ranted enough on that topic. And, oh, first of all, can you tell me, read the thing the, the Trump guy got angry. Is it somebody, you know, if you just talk about Trump. Yeah, so. Uh, uh, people get upset. It doesn't so, matter what you say. So David B. on uh, WSB Radio's Twitter said, uh, advice for Eric Vaughn, uh, for Trump, they haven't been right, hashtag, since June 16th. I guess they can keep trying, though. Hashtag Trump 20, 2016. That's right, my brother. Keep on walking. Keep on soldiering. Everything's all right. He's going to win. He's going to win big. He's 
she's going to win huge. He doesn't need money. She has 60 million. He has 3 million. He's Trump. He's Trump the Great. How does it feel to be in a cult of personality? All right, we're going to wrap this thing up when we return. Welcome back. I'm Eric Von Hessler sitting in for Eric Erickson. My producer, Jared Yamamoto, is with me. And, you know, now that we're almost off air, I think I can reveal that uh, you were kind of uh, frightened of the Trump followers. You were frightened earlier to tell, tell me that you were actually really scared when you were at that rally earlier. I didn't say I was really scared. I just felt like... (laughs) You! The difference between Jared talking about that rally off-air, and he's been stung. He's been stung. He knows what happens to the Twitter account. He knows what happens to the Facebook, and uh, Listen, I'm still undecided. Once bitten, twice shy. I'm not voting for Hillary, but I am on the fence. I I feel like voting for Gary Johnson is kind of throwing your vote away. Yeah. But So I gave the Trump rally a chance, and, uh, and I will say this. I was looking around and a, a lot of the people just look strikingly similar around and the and the and the, and, uh, the, the, the protest. I, I love the millennial. He can't help it be politically correct. <laughs> and people the protesters too. The protesters yelled at me too. I yeah. had no tr- I had no Trump attire on. Right, well, and you were the going pro- in, so they thought that you were they thought that you were there. And the protesters, I mean, they were yelling, they were heckling, they were cussing me out. And, I, and I'm sitting here, I'm like, I, I really wanted to get my mm-hmm. phone out and just start interviewing. But hey, you know what? I'm with the radio, and but I decided to go in, incognito so that way people didn't know. And then you walked in. And then I walked in. And I was just surprised. And you, were, I, you were surprised. I, well, I thought I thought that I thought that it would be a, a little more diverse, and I thought that the uh, message well, would be better. Well, listen, but... I just want to throw you under the bus to mess up your Twitter account for the. Oh, rest they're going to come after me now. Uh, we have to go. Listen, if you download the WSB Radio app, look for Von Hessler Doctrine. It's right there on that front page. We do three podcasts a week. Plus, our Sunday show at noon turns into a podcast. It's all up there. If you liked what you heard today, you want more of it. Well, you're kind of insane, but it's there for you, the WSB radio app. Thanks, Jared, for being here. Thanks to Andrew, Chris Chandler, everybody involved, Smod and Mark McKay. And thanks to Eric Erickson for letting me sit in for him. That was this episode of Eric Von Hessler filling in for Eric Erickson. Until next time, get off my lawn!